Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Today we're talking about something I think is pretty cool. (laughs) Manure management, poop, whatever you want to call it. Um, Ohio has quite a diverse array of livestock across the state, whether you're looking at dairy, poultry, cattle, swine, and all of that manure has to be managed somehow. We've mentioned water quality quite a bit in our podcast and this ties into it for sure. So we've got a couple of our manure researchers with us today. Sam Custer is one of our returning podcast interviewees. He's the ag educator over in Dart County and they have a lot of livestock over there. So he's been working with our other guest today, Glenn Arnold, who's a field specialist for manure management for the state. So we really want to talk about some interesting headway they've made with um, side dressing manure, alternative application windows to address some of those environmental issues that also helps out economically and socially. And so we'll get into all of that. So welcome guys. Thank you. All right. So this is, you've been doing this research for quite a while and um, it's come a long ways and it's pretty exciting because Glenn you've mentioned before that probably one of the first people in the country maybe even the world to do this kind of work with side dressing manure but it started out you know just on our research farms whether that was northwest or western and has evolved. So how about you talk a little bit about that evolution? Sure. Uh, Yeah, I can still recall when uh, John Roush, John used to be the uh, manure specialist for the state, uh, involved me in my very first plot where we applied swine manure as a top dress to wheat. And that's probably been close to 12 years ago or so. And since then, we've um, perfected that a bit. And then we've evolved to where we're using uh, swine and dairy manure to side dress corn and uh, getting very, very good yield results with the, with doing that. And so we uh, continue to want to work on new areas that, uh, of the side dressing, but at this current time, we're uh, pretty pleased with the results we've had so far. So what did those first trials that you conducted look like? Well, in the early years, uh, we did some work where we simply uh, took a manure tanker and we spread liquid swine manure on top of uh, wheat about the first of April and uh, ground was uh, dry enough to support the tanker, the wheat was growing, the wheat needed nitrogen so we applied the manure at about 32 to 3400 gallons per acre and that provided the top dress nitrogen and then we would of course have uh, urea as our comparison in side-by-side plots. We did those types of plots for three or four springs and uh, manure was never beaten in all the years that we did those types of research plots. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting. You've done that demonstration quite a bit, but I think it shows impact in that farmers were willing to let you back out on their field because some of those pictures were (laughs) cutting up their wheat as you tried to incorporate it a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, the yield turned out turned out as high as any of the other right and then once we were able to go from using tankers to drag hoses um, then then the compaction issue went out the window and drag hosing 
liquid manure on wheat is a fairly common practice in Northwest and Western Ohio, especially by the farmers who've done it before. They know it's going to work uh, and it gives them a window to put manure on top of crop that's going to grab that nitrogen and run with it. Yeah, we know that that's one of the best practices that they recommend is trying to get those nutrients onto a growing crop. So where did the idea come to try this on corn? Because that seems absolutely wild to me. So who thought of that? <laughs> well, as well as it worked on wheat, um, wheat acreage has been on the decline in Ohio for many, many years. And uh, if you thought of the, what crop could use, min, use nitrogen more than wheat, it would probably be corn. In Putnam County, where I live, uh, we grow about 80,000 acres of corn and maybe about 25 to 30,000 acres of wheat. So we thought it would be fun to try that on the corn. Um, so we essentially started with a small 2,250-gallon tanker. We modified it to travel down the rows of the corn. It would follow the outer rows of a dual-wheeled tractor. And then uh, we started side-dressing um, little 90-foot plots with a 200-horsepower tractor <laughs> to maneuver it in and out and to get into those little 30-foot openings that they had. It wasn't really pretty, but when it worked, um, the yields were pretty neat. The first year we did that, um, the manure yields were, were probably 25 or 30 bushel better than the commercial fertilizer yields that we uh, got, and that really uh, got us excited to start working on you know, building better equipment to work with um, going forward. And then we, we ended up doing about five years of uh, small plot research to get some really firm numbers on how we compare. And Sam, this is kind of where you come in um, as you moved away from the small plots onto on-farm research. You came on board a few years ago, have a lot of livestock over your way, and really got into doing the on-farm research. Yes, so Glenn was, was doing this small plot research uh, and sharing those numbers, and I was very intrigued with that as we saw the great responses with side dressing with <clears throat> the manure, and even the, more specifically with incorporating it. We, Glenn could show you, you know, a 25 bushel bump by incorporating the manure versus a surface application. So like I said, we have a lot of livestock in our area, and Glenn came to me as, as a new educator and said, uh, would you be interested in doing some on-farm research? Um, and he had already talked with one of our farmers in the area that was willing to, to give this a shot, to go to whole field type work. And uh, being naive and not knowing Glenn very well, I said, sure. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we came down and I think it was probably the spring of 2013 uh, and we brought uh, a 6,000 gallon tanker down to Dark County, Glenn did, and we started doing those uh, manure applications with the Herod family. And uh, it was quite interesting the first year. Everybody was in a learning mode. As we talked earlier this afternoon, uh, the corn was barely up, the weeds were strong, and we didn't have the whole mechanics thing down on how to load the tankers out of the hog facilities. Uh, but we got it done and we, we got some really good results. At some point, there's some concern about taking the corn out with the drag hose. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing a little bit of research, um, not with the full field, I guess, operation, but some smaller plots. So what have you found with the growth stages of corn 
and how far along can that corn be before we start snapping <clears throat> it off? Yes, um, we had when we did the when we did the whole farm plots for a number of years. We spent about five years running up and down Western Ohio with a large manure tanker before we began to really give thought to how we could go from a tanker to a drag hose. So we started um, drag hose plots back about 2012. And in these plots, uh, we basically have taken a uh, six inch drag hose, filled it up with water, and we've drag it, we drag it both ways across the, a plot when we do a treatment. So if the corn is at the uh, V3 stage, the uh, field is dragged from east to west, then turn around and drag from west to east so that we really hammer the corn with the uh, small plot drag hose. So we've did that at uh, the V1 stage, the V2, the V3 stage, the V4, and the V5 stage for five years. And we recorded the data and the, and the stands and stuff. And from um, V1 to V3, there was no effect on yield or population of the corn by hitting it so hard with the drag hose. At V4, you began to see a little bit of a dip in the uh, population. We would lose about maybe two or 3,000 plants per acre at, uh, at the V4 stage. And at V5, we devastated uh, the corn with the six inch drag hose. Uh, we reduced the plant population by about 12,000 plants per acre and we, we reduced the yield by about 50 bushels per acre. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty consistent each of the five years that we did that. So from that, we know that uh, we're pretty safe to use a drag hose on corn at the V3 stage. And V4 is a little bit iffy, but still, like last year when we did several fields that way, it can be done and get pretty good results with it. But V5 is definitely not appropriate for a six inch drag hose at this time. Now we are gonna repeat that research using a four and a half inch drag hose just to see if the corn could perhaps be one stage taller. The data we gather this year, we may not keep, but at least we'll We'll work the kinks out this first year and see how that goes. I, I always think it's really cool. But I think what's even cooler about how much that corn can tolerate is the results that you're seeing in yield differences. You would think with a similar, similar amount of nitrogen, you would see similar yields, but that hasn't been the case. Can you talk about the yields that you've been seeing? So in Dark County now, we have five years of uh, using the dragline hose to do our side dress manure application. And on a normal year, if there is a normal year any, anymore, mm -hmm. our side dress manure uh, is two or three bushels better than uh, the typical 28 application on equal amounts of nitrogen. Uh, what, what we're really finding interesting is on those abnormal years, a very wet June uh, or a dry period of time, the manure will really outperform the uh, typical nitrogen. So we'll find maybe as much as 32 bushel of the acre difference in 2015, yeah, I think it was. We had, we had 10 inches of rain the month of June on the field that we were doing that research on and, and the that swine manure stayed with us. It's uh, much less soluble, about half as soluble as the 28 that we were uh, comparing it to. So it stuck with us and we got a really good crop out of that. So um, just really interesting information there. And, and overall, over the five year period of time, we're talking about a 15, 16 bushel to the acre advantage of the swine manure over the commercial fertilizer. 
And that's similar to what we found in the small plot research, um, especially on dry years. Because you're incorporating a liquid, it seems to be equivalent to a, even though we're applying barely a quarter inch uh, per acre of uh, swine manure, it seems to be more like a half inch rain because we are putting it in the ground, we're covering it up, and it seems to be there for the roots to take advantage of. Well, that's uh, pretty interesting. I think it really emphasizes the fact that manure is an excellent resource, and people have you know, changed their minds over the last 20 years and realized that going from a waste product to a nutrient source. It still has its challenges with being difficult to move long distances, but I think with the drag hose, as you mentioned, compaction is reduced through that application method. And there's some opportunities for people to try this if without making a huge investment because you guys have gotten some sponsors and is it three pieces of equipment now around Ohio? Right, um, Ohio State is the owner of uh, three uh, 12 row side dress toolbars. Um, we have one from each of the three uh, largest companies that uh, that operate in Ohio and we keep these available um, for grant purposes we have to there's some areas we have to concentrate on and get done but Allglaze, um, Paulding and Crawford County are three counties that we've really emphasized but we also have been as far north as Fulton and Williams County with our plots. Uh, Sam in Dark County has been about as far south as we've gone. Jason Hartshoot over in Crawford County and Morrow County we've done plots there so We've probably hit about 22 counties so far with these types of plots. It's a chance for farmers to use the equipment to work with their commercial applicators so they have a hose and they have the pump necessary to do the uh, work. But we like to do field size uh, plots. In other words, uh, we have a 40 acre field or 50 acre field. We can side dress the entire thing but leave uh, some strips where we'll put commercial fertilizer in as a comparison. So farmers have that side-by-side -side comparison on their own farm uh, using their own management and then they can have confidence that this will work. The other thing that we think that will lead to is as time goes by I think all commercial applicators would tell you that they are extraordinarily busy. Uh, their phones ring constantly of people who need manure to be moved. I think as we go further into the future, I think there'll be more farmers, more livestock producers who buy their own uh, manure application uh, equipment. And I think if they can see this demonstrated, they can see this might be an option that really you know, appeals to them in the future. I think one of the things, the agronomic benefits of this are really cool. But I think one of the most compelling arguments for giving this a try is when you put the economics to it. Mm -hmm. Could you talk about that as well? Sure, sure. When you think of uh, your livestock manure, it's going to cost you, you know, close to a penny if you have a commercial applicator apply it to a field. It's probably closer to two or three cents if you do it yourself with a tanker uh, per, on a per gallon basis. But when we when we look at side dressing corn. Um, you were going to apply 150 to 180 units of uh, commercial fertilizer that you bought. So if you paid, you know, the going rate for that, you're probably somewhere between 60 and 75 dollars an acre for side dress fertilizer. Um, when we apply this uh, livestock manure, and if we used a penny uh, per gallon as an example, uh, the cost then to have that manure applied to that field at a rate of about 6,500 gallons seem to be where we're at with most of our plots. 
then that's about $65 an acre to have that manure applied. So you would have spent all of that money on the, on the purchased fertilizer anyhow, and you would have eventually have applied this manure at some point in the year, whether it be fall, spring, or winter, or whatever. So since you know you've got a product that has to be moved, and it can pay for itself as, as using it with a growing crop, then the economics are really, really strong. And we haven't really talked about the phosphorus and potash that's also in the manure. And again, if you add those all up, you get an awful nice amount of nutrients from uh, a thousand gallons of any type of manure for the most part. But, but the numbers are there. It seems to work economically, and we think that's really an important um, part as we go forward because everybody's searching for better ways to utilize a product that for many, many years was always a, a, a cost to get applied in the fall or a cost to have somebody move it for you. Now we've turned that in, we think, to uh, something that can actually pay for itself. And there's been grain farmers who've put up buildings, I think, sometimes specifically for this nutrient resource. Or if you're a grain farmer listening to this and are intrigued by it and have a livestock building close to you, it may be a great opportunity to try because like you said, Glenn, you're going to spend the money on nutrients anyways. Your research has proven that manure holds its own, if not better in some cases, than commercial fertilizer. When we do the analysis and we look at the side dressing at the 6,500 gallons per acre rate that we've done with many of our fields, if you look at the P2O5 or the phosphorus that's applied with the manure, it's just about equal to the removal of a corn-soybean rotation. So if you thought that for the farmers that we're working with, if they were to apply manure every other year to a field as a side dress for corn, then the P2O5 and the manure, and the K2O for that matter, matches just about perfectly what a corn-soybean rotation will remove over a two-year period of time. Sam, you mentioned a keyword earlier, sustainability. And as we look at the economics and the environmental piece of it, and then the social component, you're in a large livestock area. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So when, when I think of sustainable, um, you know, I think about a profitable system because as we've heard in our extension meetings before, that if it's not profitable, uh, it's not sustainable. So I think of a system that Glenn just explained the numbers uh, financially, it makes sense. Uh, from a total sustainable system, the new, we have a complete nutrient balance here and a two-year crop rotation. Uh, we have not only the NP and K there that we, we know, we've got a package of loaded micronutrients that we're applying in that system. Uh, we are in a sustainable system where we're providing all of our nutrients that we need if we apply it at the right times we're not having to source other nutrients and we talked and Glenn has talked and and we're having an impact so water now tells me that our new swine facilities that are going up in Dark County are all appearing double wides in the middle of 250 acres so that they can go into this system of uh, applying 6500 gallons every other year to match that sustainable uh, system where we're not building nutrient levels uh, in our soil. So I, th I think that we've made great progress there and, and uh, as people look to doing things environmentally uh, and economically correct. 
Yeah, it's an excellent local resource of nutrients. Well, we, we hope to continue with some additional research on this. Um, the commercial mineral applicators really like this window of time because it's a window that they've not traditionally been very busy. So this will allow many commercial applicators to add more total gallons through the same amount of equipment uh, in a year. So financially for a commercial mineral applicator to become involved in this type of a project uh, seems to work for them very well. So we think that's going to be good. And then to uh, help them out, uh, of course, commercial applicators need to drag fields at an angle to make their hoses work and stuff. And farmers, not all, not all farmers are too fired up about planting corn to accommodate uh, the, the drag hose people. So in our future, we have plans to start um, side dressing corn fields that have been planted at an angle. So the field will be planted straight, but the commercial uh, or will come across the uh, field at a 45 degree angle with a manure tanker. Uh, and we're going to incorporate manure and just see how that works, see how what type of stand damage we would suffer, yield loss we would suffer. And the reason we do that is, as I talk with our precision ag people, um, if this works that we come across these fields at an angle, the precision ag people could theoretically set up their corn planter to leave us a gap for our uh, manure injectors as we come across that field. So they would still end up with the same plant population that they wanted, let's say it's 35,000 plants per acre, but there would be those little gaps to let the commercial manure applicator come through, you know, in the first 30 days or so that that field's been planted. So we hope to look at that as one of our uh, one of our future research projects that we would like to get started pretty soon at South Charleston. And then the, uh, another project we think we want to do that would help is at some point we want to uh, begin to capture the manure when we make the turns on the end uh, rather than then uh, leave extra manure on the ends of fields when commercial applicators make that turn. Uh, we think we can probably put a 1,000 gallon tank on the front of a tractor and then divert that manure during the turn into that 1,000 gallon tank and then bleed it back out uh, in front of the applicator as we go back down the field. So there's, even though we've come a long ways, we think there's quite a bit more that could be done to uh, perfect manure application with growing crops. Pretty cool. That's really exciting. Yeah. So guys, I'm not going to lie. I think the science here is really cool. But I think what I like the most about this research are all of the hilarious stories you have from the times that <laughs> things didn't go as you planned. So can you share one of your stories? Your favorite? <laughs> well, Glenn always, Glenn is Mr. Video, Mr. Camera person, I think you ought to be on Rob Leeds's team at Delaware with all their videos and work. But uh, it always seemed like um, Glenn operated the tractor, and I had the the rod to unplug the tanker, and he would catch me knee deep in manure, trying to fix the manure application tool, and I could never catch him in that <laughs> mode. And you know, as I've matured, I've figured out that as Glenn was smarter than me to know what I was getting into. <laughs> Why he really recruited you in the That's first place. right. That's right. He just wanted somebody that was not very smart. Well, yeah. You, you really can't work in this industry and not expect from time to time that you're going to take a bit of a manure bath. So we've, we've, all, uh, we've all experienced that a little bit. Um, you know, it's pretty standard to just take a spare set of clothes along with you when you go out on these types of projects. And uh, 
Um, yeah, we've had a few things that have gone wrong from time well, to time. Why don't you tell us about uh, Manure Science Review in Dark County way back when. You had the nutrient toolbar out of New York. Yep, yep. We were going to demonstrate that, and we just basically had a big bubble of air that got loose in that hose, and when they put the pressure to it to move the manure through the hose, um, it uh, hoses bursts off, and all kinds of things happened that day. Yep, that was Dark County. I remember that clearly. <laughs> uh, I remember the headlines of the Salina Standard. <laughs> so I've got some of the effect the manure, manure applicator go, goes awry or <laughs> goes run, run amok. Was run amok. There you go. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to put that on air. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> Well, to bring this back around, um, Glenn, you do a great job managing a Facebook page. Um, what are some of the resources uh, people want to look at that or other places they can go to get some of this information? Well, we try to put most of our research and most of our data on our uh, university Facebook page. And I believe it's called Ohio State University Extension Manure and Nutrient Management. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, just about to 2,000 followers. So when I took over, it was at 35, I believe. So we're really growing by leaps and bounds. I think the use of social media has really benefited um, or, or has gained a lot of interest for this, this technology that we do because we have uh, people in Canada. Uh, I get emails from folks in New York. Uh, Iowa, Minnesota did their first research plots this past year, and they're, they they just and actually North Carolina contacted us the other day. They want to start doing this type of work. So I think through the social media, um, a lot of people are, you know, the first time they see that, they think this guy's nuts. But then uh, <laughs> as other people jump on and say, oh, we did this last year and it worked really, really well. We're going to do it. I know I talked to a farmer in uh, New York that did uh, 40 acres last year, and everybody was giving him grief because he posted videos on his Facebook page about it. Finally, he said, if those freaking Ohio people can do it, we can surely <laughs> do it in New York. And then he said this year, uh, their intent is to do 600 acres of um, this is surface application of manure onto a growing corn crop. But still, that's a step in the right direction. It's not the same as incorporation like we're doing, but it's a baby step to go where we think we want to go, and that is to get the manure on a growing crop. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool that you're out in front of this and leading the way across the country. Oh, you do a lot with the corn newsletter as well, so people can... Right, right. We try to put articles in the corn newsletter when, when they're relevant, you know, like this spring, telling folks that they could plant their crop and could put the manure on top right afterwards because everybody is so jammed we couldn't have a normal planting season so as as manure storage ponds continued to fill up and fields stayed wet uh, farmers were trying to make decisions on whether to uh, plant first or apply manure first so and i think we also have uh, some research in the uh, e-fields mm -hmm. book that we hope all of you have on your office desks back home and uh, there's uh, uh, research results from Henry County and Dark County from our dragline work in 2018. Uh, good information there to study. Yeah, and if you're a farmer out there interested in some of this work, get in touch with one of us, your local extension educator, and we'll help you come up with a plan for sure. Yeah, thank you guys for your time and chatting with us. Glad to visit. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. 
Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.